0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score Nord Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three, four. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Three and one. And Garver drives it to left. It is deep and long gone. Into the second level. And the twins take a 3-0 lead.
2: Mitch Garver doing Mitch Garver things on Fox Sports North. <laughs> this is Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com and that handy-dandy, nifty Score North app. Find that in the Apple and Android stores at SKOR North. In other news coming up at 520, and I'm told, Patrick Royce in person for Rap with Royce at 540. But right now we're having the discussion of asking you to rank how much confidence you have in, uh, your professional Minnesota sports franchises, the Vikings, Twins, Wild, and Wolves, to be exact. 651-646-8255, or tweet us at Score North if you'd like to do so. Phil and I were in agreement in lockstep before the break, Judd. He said, uh, Wild last, mm-hmm. Vikings third. Yep. Wolves second, because we feel that good about the Garrison Rosas hire and the first place yeah. Minnesota Twins on top of the heap. Yeah, I, I, I've looked over this during the break. I don't have
3: any reason to deviate from no this. No regrets. Zero regrets. Zero regrets. Twins, Wolves, Vikings,
4: Wild, in that order, confidence rankings. All right, so I'll start at four. I agree. Wild. I don't know. They're Contractually, they're not in great shape. Uh, Paul Fenton, their new GM who just got done w- with his first year, I've heard very mixed things about how how he's sort of adapted to the new world now. So I don't even know if they are g- going to be as forward-thinking as they were with uh, Chuck Fletcher. There's just a lot of uncertainty there, um, which doesn't give me great confidence. They are four. Where I disagree is my three is the Wolves. i got to see more. I've got to see. R- Rosa sounds, it all sounds great, but he was with the Rockets as a right hand man basically for 17 years. Um the the Carl Anthony Towns factor is big, but this all has to work where in a couple of years he's not trying to force his way out. Wiggins is obviously a, a huge conundrum. I don't know that he can be fixed. My temptation is to say no. It's the Wolves, which I can't dismiss. I, I've watched this team uh since going to their first home game at the Metrodome against Jordan in November of eighty-nine. Uh, there's just so many things there that. that what, if, what is
3: there now? Forget about the first thirty years. Oh, easy. They have they have a superstar player emerging into his prime. Yep. And now they that's, have an actual. That's front what I just said. Though.
4: Right. But but it's a front office head who has n- never been in this job before and has been a number two guy the entire time. And I need to see him be ultra-successful, and do the right things in the president of basketball ops role. Until I see that consistently, I just don't know. And the superstar player, which does change my way of thinking, needs to be a guy who, who in two or three years, is happy here, who's surrounded by other good players, and not a guy who's trying to force his way out. So until Rosas gives us a couple years of absolutely proving that this is going to be on the correct path, I'm skeptical.
3: So you're you're only buying Apple stock after the second iPhone comes out because <laughs> right like I, like I you, <laughs> you need to see that that first iPhone
4: wasn't a fluke. We've raved about people before who, who are just getting the top jobs and been wrong, and so I'm not going to make that mistake twice. I'm going to be far more conservative. I mean, we haven't seen them yet. We we don't know. We only know what people are telling us about him, and we've never seen him in this role. And I can't anoint him uh, less than a week into the job to absolutely positively be sure that I'm going to catapult him to being in charge of the second most trusted franchise in this market. I can't do it.
2: I definitely see where Judd is coming from. You, you He's the unknown right now, and I can understand why you don't want to buy in. On, on something that is that is unknown. This guy's never been a general manager. He he was the right-hand man in Houston for a long time. But we've seen right-hand guys go to different places, and they're not necessarily meant to move up to that next level, to that higher position. Not everybody is cut out for that. Even very smart, very talented people sometimes aren't cut out for that. What I really like about it, besides the fact that he brings a modern philosophy to, to the Wolves organization in terms of, how the organization will be structured, and the actual philosophies that go out onto the court. I like a lot of the qualities that he brings, but more than anything, I don't know if you guys read uh, John Krasinski's piece at The Athletic about the process that yeah. they went through to hire him. Yeah. And I have, and I this is weird saying about the Wolves, but... Reading that, I have a high level of faith in the process that landed them on Garrison Rosas, on a process that the Wolves went through, because it was that thorough. And I think that the way they went about it and the things that they looked for in the next president of basketball operations was a very smart, very innovative way of going about that search. And I think that will yield good results. Glenn Taylor's
3: quote at the press conference the other day was, well, this is the process I use for my successful businesses outside of basketball. So I figured, why don't we try it here? And I was like, "You've been here for 25 you years." You just thought of that. And you just thought you of that. You just this? thought of that.
4: <laughs> well, and that that quote was born of the fact that he trusts Ethan Casson to have made the right move here. Yeah, which hopefully, for the Wolves' sake and their fan' sake, is the case. I just don't know. But the reason there's why not I... enough here to trust yet until we actually see it in action.
3: And I'm and I'm I I understand I'm taking a leap of faith with my rankings and I'm projecting forward. But I think if they didn't have Carl Anthony Towns, I wouldn't. There's definitely an unknown factor, but there's also, I'm assuming that twins are number one and Vikings number two on your list. Yeah, but which the Vikings can, number two, which we, we can dive into too. But yep. the reason when I think about Wolves and Vikings, so we all have the twins number one in our confidence rankings. And the reason why, if if the unknown factors are what sort of drag the Wolves down, well, the unknown factor for the Vikings is, do they have a coach that can coach offense too? Do they have a quarterback that can win a primetime game or or win a game on uh in week 16 against the Packers when he needs to cuz that's a huge unknown factor too. In fact, it's actually a known factor. He
4: can't
5: to this well,
3: point in his career.
4: But the Vikings are traditionally and have been well run. They they're not a dumpster. Yeah. They they have not been a dumpster fire in recent years. Then now now they've had some weird stuff, so don't get get me wrong, I'm not totally a bot bought in there either but the vikings have been the vikings have not gone through in their history huge down periods of time where they've missed the playoffs let's say 10 consecutive years and things like that the wolves thing with me is i like i like what the wolves have done and and hopefully with the moves that they made here they have finally gotten it right I just can't catapult them above the Vikings at this point until I see, until I actually see this start to play out.
3: One last thing on the Wolves, real quick. Glenn Taylor, who we have hammered on this show, rightfully so, for being one of the worst owners in professional sports. He just has been. Look at the track record. Look at the wins and losses. Look at some of the hires. His biggest downfall as an owner isn't a lack of, like, he's not out playing concerts like James Dolan and just doesn't care. There's, he's not. Creepy McCreepy Pockets, Donald Sterling in Los Angeles with the Clippers, right? That's He's a, at every game. He's super nice.
2: He cares about his employees. It's actually problematic at times, yes. Right. His wife apparently makes great lasagna from what I was reading. <laughs> and she doesn't like <laughs> yeah. tip swearing. But his biggest
3: downfall is he hires idiots or people who just well, shouldn't be running an organization.
4: Right. David Kahn, Tom Thibodeau, but the real like question. The real question here with Taylor this time is not, is Rosas the right guy? The real question is, was Ethan Casson, who sounds like had a huge role in hiring Rosas, the right guy? Because Glenn Taylor, if you look, I mean, all he was saying basically was, I have entrusted people to run my businesses, which, by the way, are successful, and then I back off. The wolves, he can't help himself. Like he likes the whole thing of, "Hey Ryan, what's the game plan tonight?" You know, he doesn't go to the Star Tribune and say, "What's on the front page tomorrow?" Well, so, but- if Ethan Casson is the right guy, then this has a chance to work. But we all need to see this play out. Uh, six five one six four six eight two five
2: five. You guys want to take a couple? Can I just real quick? I, I mentioned it yesterday, but you talked about him hiring Thibodeau, and in the piece where they talk about how they landed on Gerson Rosas at the Athletic. They talk about how he landed on Tom Thibodeau. And they talk about the fact that Glenn Taylor likes to develop relationships and have almost a family environment within the Timberwolves and the other businesses that he runs. And the paragraph reads, he didn't have that connection with David Kahn, and it was a disaster. During his interview process in 2016, Tom Thibodeau assured Glenn Taylor that he was interested in such a relationship, but it never never materialized. Quote, he said he hadn't done it before, but he was going to work at it. All right. That's a (laughs)
3: great strategy. Glenn.
2: He didn't Glenn know Jimine. how to be a person and maintain relationships in the past, but he'd work on it. Larry and Woodbury, you're on the
3: show.
5: Oh, my God, Judd. Thank you for bringing some level-headedness to this. How can the Wolves get any praise from anybody 30 years? How many years have they gotten out of the first round of the playoffs? Larry, Larry
3: no one is praising them for 30 years of anything. They've They've been... They've been an embarrassment for thirty years. That's not the discussion.
5: Okay, but this is like the same thing rehashed as when Thibodeau was hired and given the keys. It's like the exact same thing. But you don't now, see Glenn you don't Taylor,
3: see some obvious differences between the background and what people say about Tom Thibodeau and Gerson Rosas.
5: I, regardless, at some point isn't there a degree of show me that has to be involved here that is exactly what Judd mentioned? Now, granted, Glenn Taylor got a lot of praise for several years, deservedly so, for preventing the wolves from leaving. There has, I don't know exactly when it was, but there's a tipping point, and now that is actually the fact that he didn't let the wolves leave has become one of the greatest crimes perpetrated against Minnesota sports fans in the history of the world.
3: (laughs) Larry, thank you for the call. I mean, I don't think anyone is sitting – no one is sitting in here justifying 30 years of Wolves basketball. The question is, right Right now, now? based on what you know about the Timberwolves right now, what are your confidence rankings? And Rami and I are saying pretty damn high because of two things. You have a superstar player who's a top 10 or 12 player on the rise – that's one of the hardest things to find in basketball, and it's one of the most influential things on Rami's winning trying in sports. trying to trade the
4: guy. <laughs> well, <laughs> not me. You want Gerson Rosas to-do list. Trade cat. I mean, it might be. <laughs> I don't have access to all the information
2: that Gerson Rose has had. If he he opens up those books and he says, look, I have no assets to make this franchise relevant in the Carl Anthony Towns era, then what are we doing? Just spinning our wheels? Because people like cats?
3: Luke in Golden Valley, you're on the show.
0: Hey, I'm not here to be parental or anything, but smoking crack is against the law, guys. (laughs) <laughs> and whoever brought it into the studio, that's sale, and that's even more serious. It's
4: just marijuana, don't worry about it, okay?
3: Hold on, out- okay. what, what is outlandish about saying, if if, if if I believe, <laughs> and Rami believes, that they nailed this higher, and they also have because, one of the best players in the NBA, why is it outlandish to say because, that, hey, the Wolves have figured this out, finally?
0: Because what you're ignoring is that you're right on the heels of the Thibodeau disaster, and you have a coach who has accomplished exactly nothing. You have a max contract on a guy who nobody thinks can play. They're in the their fourth place, and the fact that they hired this guy—you are not even close to as excited about this hire as you were when they hired Thibodeau. In case you don't remember, I was—I was clearly wrong on Tom Thibodeau. I think we <laughs> I think we can agree there. <laughs> well, of course you were. So they're they're fourth place easily. The the reason the Twins are in third-place, fellas. Third-place? Wow. Where are you putting the wild, Luke, uh, Luke, have you watched a Twins game this year? Every one. You still my crack. I love them. I love them. But here's the point, boys. You've got about four teams in the American League that have better rosters than the Twins. And every one of those teams, including the Yankees, are going to get everybody back from injuries. Every one of those teams at the trade deadline is going to go out and get somebody. You got an ownership that never does, and until they do, they're in third place. Because you're talking about a healthy franchise that's a nice little competitive team. They have zero chance of winning the World Series unless they're willing to do something to add some talent in the middle of the season. So where do you and have, you have really the Wild? Won't do that. Where do they you, won't do that. Where do you have the Wild? The reason you have the Wild number two, and I'll tell you oh, why. Oh, stop!
2: Oh. Are you in the car right now? Are you <laughs> you're driving? Out. You you you're, you're the one who needs to put down the pipe. You're endangering
0: lives right now, smoking okay, well, crack well, and I'm driving. Just I'm only drinking a beer, actually. <laughs> it's nobody's business but mine. The reason the, the, reason, the, the miserable wild... See, you you want to say you you want to say well you know. They got the uh, Wiggins contract, and that's not their, you know, they're kind of stuck. The Wild is stuck with some bad contracts, but they have an owner who is willing to do whatever he can and spend whatever money he can to try to improve the team, and he's got a seasoned coach. And I think they're in second. They're the most confident there. All right, and the Vikings. I'm very critical of the Vikings, but you have to admit, again, you've got an owner that will will pull the strings. You've got some management people that will do what they can with the with the draft and with free agency. But the Twins, until the Twins prove to us that in the middle of the season, when they're really competitive, they go out and get somebody, they're they're in they're in third place. All right, Luke.
3: Thank you for the the passionate phone call. Um, be safe out there on the roads. I think he honked at somebody in the middle of his rant. Did you guys hear that? I don't was doubt he was really
4: drinking a beer. He
3: honked at somebody in the middle of his rant. <laughs> How can he put the wild second though? Well, here's he brought That's
4: up insane, and, and that, that veteran coach might get blown out.
3: Not to turn this into a, a like a payroll discussion again, but he brings up well the 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 Wilfs will actually spend money, and the Twins won't. Well. Yeah, because the Wolves are guaranteed to profit tens of millions of dollars based on the salary cap structure. Like they can't, if if you if you took the lid off the salary, like we're praising the Vikings
2: because they'll spend money and the Twins won't. Well, I mean, the Vikings have a limit put on them how much they can spend, and it's the same limit as everybody else in the league. Right. And yeah. so,
3: like, the, if you if you opened it up and every team in the NFL would just spend as much money as they had, the Vikings wouldn't have gotten Kirk Cousins two years ago because. Another team with more money would have gotten Kirk Cousins. I
4: just don't get how he can put the Wild second. I'm stuck on that one. It's just not, no, they're fourth. <laughs> it's my favorite sport, they're fourth. Not that anybody's <laughs> yeah. ranking it's just that fourth. just that simple. I, I like barely agree, know hockey, you guys are, and I'll tell you they're yeah. fourth. I mean, you guys are just right.
2: <laughs> Thank um, you. It's usually the case. though. <sighs> Uh,
3: we have in other news. Take a deep breath. Coming up here, but I kind of want—I mean, we got JD and Simon. I kind of want to hear what these callers have to say. Can well, we do? Can we get these? Let's take two more calls on this when we come back, all and right, then do another. And news. then do another news. We can do that because I feel like people have takes on this. And if we're going to get calls like Luke,
2: I love the passion in his pickup truck just, or whatever he's
3: doing. I just
4: don't doubt he was but drinking.
2: Don't, don't drink and drive.
4: We should make that clear. Please drink responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, but but the wolves thing. To to be clear. By the way, I am, I like what the wolves have done here. I'm just wait and see guy. Like I'm not saying it's going to, uh, fail for sure. It's just, it's some new players doing some different things. And I, and my trust is just not completely there yet, but I love, listen, the fact that the two teams that are tenants on that side of Minneapolis have joined the rest of sports is great. The twins, it's fantastic. The wolves, it's fantastic. Yeah, like if we're if we're going to see three point shots now, good, good for you. I wanted to ask
3: Luke, I just forgot
4: to. Okay,
3: if he because he was he pulled the Tom Thibodeau card. This is how you react with Tom Thibodeau. Okay, forget about who they hired. Who would be the perfect profile to hire for this job? Because I bet he would have described Gerson Rosas. Someone who's collaborative, someone who's innovative. Someone somebody who plays
4: who... basketball like it should be played in 2020, right?
3: Right. Hey, Minnesota sports fans, Phil Mackey here, introducing you to the all-new Score North on 1500, Well, you'll find Purple Daily at noon, Matthew Collar 2-4, to four, and Mackey and Jeb with Rami from 4-6. to six. Over at scorenorth.com, that's S-K-O-R, in addition to great written content, you'll find some of the most entertaining local Minnesota sports podcasts, Purple Podcast, Raised by Wolves, Myron Medcalf on hoops, Touch them all, Royce Unchained, and plenty more. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, all at Score North. Minnesota sports, anytime, anywhere. All right, thank you, Jonathan. We're going to get to, in other news here, one of our favorite segments of the week in just a second. But we wanted to give uh, J.D. and Simon, who have been on hold for a while, a chance to chime in. We've had some spirited phone calls. This all started with a very innocent ranking of of. Wild Vikings, Twins, Wolves, rank them based on how confident you are right now in the organizations. And it's mostly been a fight about Rami and I putting the Wolves too high, number two, Twins number one, and uh, Judd had the Vikings number two. And we've had a couple callers. Call us all morons. That's the the summation of the last 30 minutes of the show. Plus, you forced him to drink. (laughs) While driving. Yeah, it's not Not advised. Uh, JD in Minneapolis. Go ahead.
1: Hey, guys. So, I think you're asking a slightly wrong question here. Okay. I think the question you need to ask is, when was the last time you were this confident in each of the teams? So, the wild Parisian suitor, their signing day on 4th of July, you're extremely confident. It feels like they've made every mistake they can make since then. Uh, Three is the Vikings. The last time I was really confident about the Vikings was the Minneapolis Miracle, and it feels like everything has been on a downward turn since then. Yeah. The Wolves, I, it's kind of a toss-up with the Vikings, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm putting, you know, not to, not to try to put a pickmaker here, but I feel like I like Gerson, but they need to show me more because it, it, I'm as confident as I was in the night of, Jim, of the Jimmy Butler trade, and we all know how that turned out. And so it just it, – they need to show me more before they don't feel like the Browns. Um, and number one, the, the reason why I'm most confident in the Twins is that the last time I was this confident about the Twins was when Francisco Liriano, as a rookie, was going toe-to-toe with Roger Clemens in 2006, and we had Maurer and Morneau and Hunter and Johan all in their prime – this Twins team feels as good as they did in 2006 to me. So that's my thoughts.
3: All right. Thank you for uh, – I like the way he framed it because if you apply that question to when's the last time you were this confident in the Timberwolves, the answer is certainly not in the last 15 years.
4: Right? Well, I mean, in the
2: immediate aftermath of the Thibodeau
4: yeah, hiring, unfortunately for it, me, sounds,
2: it sounds like you
4: were pretty high on the Timberwolves, were you not? I was for sure. It turns out we were just pretty high, actually. <laughs> no, but I, I was, in April 2016, mm-hmm. I was buying in. It's the most wrong either one
3: of us has ever been doing this for a living. And that's saying something. because <laughs> uh, We are wrong.
4: July 4th, 2012, I thought the Stanley Cup would be making its way down 94 about five times in the next few years, so <laughs> speak for yourself.
3: All right, Simon and Woodbury, you're on with Mackie and Judd and Rami.
1: Hey guys, so I wasn't really like listening during like the whole ranking thing but I have take on the Timberwolves though. Okay. So what I think is that so for Gerson, and, for Gerson in terms of like all the players I think first Cat is untouchable tier 1. Tier 2 would be like Dario and Covington. Tier 3 would be Tyus and akogi, And tier 4 is everybody else. Tier five would be Wiggins.
3: <laughs> this is this is a paid a paid caller by me actually. Tier five's not uh, planted very. Planted Simon on the show just to rip <laughs> Andy Wiggins. We didn't have also... our Wiggins <laughs> rip of
1: the day.
5: Okay,
1: <laughs> hey, so uh, one last thing. So, yeah, for sure. I was on podcast one. And I found this thing called from you guys. MSOS Sports Rewind. you know when that starts? Ooh,
2: good question. Uh,
3: are, that will can be. Can we reveal that? Yeah, are we you William? You are a plant. Uh, Simon, thank you for the phone call. Actually, we'll keep is. you on the line so you can hear the answer. We have a project we're going to unveil more details about where we do deep dives into things like the thing that we're just doing right now. We're going to do a deep dive on a lot of different Minnesota sports things from the past later this month, Simon. So keep your eyes and ears peeled. That's a great find by him, by the way. Where'd he find it? We, just, we just launched that feed. I will just let, we'll, we'll announce more details soon. I mean, it's, the feed was created in a time. Simon, we God have...
4: bless you, but you got a lot of time. <laughs> Be hunting around finding that one.
2: Uh, do you guys
3: want to do? We some,
4: appreciate uh... it though. Oh, yeah
2: thank you for doing that digging yeah oh it's yeah, so that time, time isn't it news? yeah that's turn. that's kind that's right. of an abbreviated version of it today it's the middle week. of the week middle of the show we like to uh, take a break from hard-hitting sports talk like we've been doing here on score north on 1500 and score that weird and wacky news from uh outside the world of sports not <laughs> all of it is from outside the world of sports if we have time i have a couple sports stories i'd like to get to but first A Virginia man was arrested last week after he allegedly shot two people because they seemingly disagreed on a topic. Mark Turner, 56, was taken into custody on April 23rd after the incident which took place the night before.
3: Was he arguing that the Vikings should have been number two on the uh, Maybe. confidence
2: <laughs> Wait list. for it. Turner, his girlfriend, and girlfriend's son, and the son's girlfriend, reading dinner at home in Bedford, a city roughly 28 miles east of Roanoke. I like when they put stuff like that in an article. Like, I know where the hell Roanoke, Roanoke is. <laughs> like, that gave me any, any 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 gauge whatsoever of where these places are. When the group went out to the front yard, soon an argument broke out between Turner. And his girlfriend's son, WSET, reported the two couldn't agree on whether Chevrolet or Ford vehicles were better.
3: That's always a tough discussion.
2: Turner allegedly whipped out a knife during his argument, a situation which Turner's girlfriend tried to de-escalate. According to the Bedford County Commonwealth's attorney, Wes Nance, Turner's girlfriend, was stabbed with the knife in her lower back, sustaining a six-inch wound. The the man then retrieved a gun from inside the home when his girlfriend again (laughs) put herself between Turner and her son. Turner allegedly shot her in the leg five times and shot her son in the arm. Okay, can
3: I ask you over guys over Chevy Ford? What's the, what's the most upset? There seems to be a gap between the content matter and how mad these people got. Right? <laughs> what's the most irrationally mad you guys have ever been in your life about something? Where you were ready to fight sober? Either way, because I mean, um, drunk, I'm
4: sure I've been mad about really stupid stuff. I don't, I don't know. I don't know I get that because <laughs> I sober. have one, and okay, it was it. with
3: Patrick Ricey in the studio. On a show one time, uh-huh. when he claimed that the wild card edition, the 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 coin flip game that they added five or six years ago, that it was terrible for baseball and it's a joke <laughs> and it's going to ruin baseball, and I was like ready to come across the table, <laughs> like Pat, that's absurd, and it just escalated for like two segments, and I was re- I was so irrationally mad, I was ready to inflict physical harm on a seventy year old man. As you were saying that, I was
2: I don't, and I can't remember what the topic was, but I do remember a stupid debate on the show I worked on in Milwaukee that literally had me shaking with anger, <laughs> like shaking like uncontrollably shaking with anger over something I should, but I can't remember what the topic was right now. It's <laughs> escaping my memory.
3: People who say Rocky four isn't the greatest movie. That might of all time be it. Too. That's, that might be that's another one.
2: Oh, I remember what it was. People who blame, um, Cubs fans for anything and everything that happens when Cubs brewers play. Like, Fights in the stands and people act like every time it's it's Cubs fans fault and they must be the worst and come to Milwaukee looking for a fight. I remember we had that discussion on the show one time and I was so angry that I was shaking uncontrollably at the really? end of the segment.
0: Wow. In other
2: news, in other news from
3: SkyNews News dot com. Mm-hmm. It's a good source for this stuff. Fifteen Sheep have been registered at a French primary school as part of a novel bid to save classes at risk of closure. That's right. A small town in France of less than 4,000 people at the foot of the Alps have been told it would take it would have to scale back its lessons or classes because of falling student numbers. There are only 261 children at the school, but now they've been joined by more than a dozen sheep In a symbolic move to tackle what parents have described as a miserable situation, farm animals were provided by a local herder, Michael Gerard, who, with the help of his dog, escorted the new pupils along to the school to see them officially signed up with their birth certificates. Among the names added to the register during the ceremony watched by parents, teachers, and children were Ba-Bet. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And uh, Sauté Mouton Babette is the better name of those two.
2: (laughs) I'm not even sure. I'm not even clear what exactly is going on in this story. They enrolled sheep into school. Is that what just happened? Yeah, the
3: school currently has 11 classes. And uh, uh, Miss Laval, one of the teachers, is against a proposal to scale back to 10. As it would mean the average number of students in each rises from 24 to 26. They're just trying to find a way. To keep the school open and to keep class sizes. So they enrolled sheep.
2: They enrolled sheep. Is Bobette a good student?
4: (laughs) Bobette. She's a real follower. Uh (laughs) In other news, a Florida man is facing charges of driving under the influence after he crashed his riding lawnmower into a police car Sunday night. Yes, I did say Florida. The Haynes City Police Department, said 68-year-old Gary Wayne Anderson, crashed into the vehicle while an officer was away from the car. The officer walked back to the car after hearing the crash and saw a man on a lawnmower with a trailer. The officer noticed minor damage to a rear plastic piece on his vehicle, and Anderson admitted the cruiser, ad, admitted hitting the cruiser, but insisted that there was no damage. Anderson told the officer that he was drunk, according to police. Officer said Anderson was unable to complete, shockingly, the field sobriety test and said his demeanor, quote, ranged from laughing to aggressive. After been there, after Anderson, <laughs> after so if I. To be honest with you, a- after Anderson was taken into custody, he reportedly accused the police of poisoning him and asked to be taken to the hospital. <laughs> police said that Anderson's blood alcohol content—get this—registered point two four one. Oh my god! More than three times the legal limit, and that he also had just to top it off, cocaine in his system. Course. However, Anderson insisted the police put the cocaine in his system, making his point with profane language and racial slurs. That happens all the time. Florida yeah. man strikes again. Police will <laughs> spoon some coke inside
2: your
3: body every
4: time. Man, just another every time. Just another night in Haines City is what we call this.
2: <laughs> like, I was gonna ask how fat, like how fast you have to be going on a lawnmower to run into a police car and then the cocaine part. And it all makes sense now. <laughs> Wasn't that guy it all makes sense.
4: There's a story of a guy in St. Cloud a couple of years back who got, he got pinched for a Dewey on a lawnmower on a lawnmower. He was like driving down the street.
3: If you're okay, can you get, how does that work? <laughs> so like, if you're just mowing your lawn, doing nothing wrong and you've got a 0.24. If you're on your you property, you can definitely still get.
2: Well, nobody's ever going to find out if you're just on your own property mowing your own lawn. It's when you start venturing out on your lawnmower and running into cop cars that you get into okay, trouble. into trouble. Let's just
4: say you're mowing your own lawn and you're really hammered, and you start swerving, and a cop drives by. He's like, "Why is this person swerving on their lawn? Could I get in trouble for that?" You just say, "I'm I'm trying to do those cool designs that you, you see at baseball <laughs> parks." <laughs> <laughs> that's,
2: that's all that's all that's going on here i mean if you crash
3: a riding lawnmower into a police car there's only like you're caught red-handed because there's only one explanation you're drunk and have cocaine in your system right like there's no you other would think so
2: you would think so i'm gonna bring a sports story into the mix here i just came across this while we were doing the show today and i thought i would share so judd's beloved aaf Folded a couple of months ago, and the stories keep on coming out of how chaotic the fallout was of the AAF after it folded. And uh, Brad Sternberg, a video and football operations employee with the San Antonio Commanders, recently spoke with SI. And for Sternberg, this is directly from the article, it was startling to see how quickly the atmosphere bottomed out. After the AAF closed up, he says one employee from each team was retained for a small bonus to recoup that franchise's physical assets hardware, such as cameras, computers, and televisions, and return them to the Alliance's warehouse in San Antonio. That task proved more difficult than expected, though, because some of those assets started making their way out the door the day the AAF was shuttered. Quote, <laughs> I watched the biggest loot fest I've ever seen, says Sternberg. Cameras disappeared, flat screens. I watched a bleeping full-time coach walk out of the building carrying a 55-inch TV Hopefully it, was,
3: <laughs> hopefully it was a TCL.
2: I watched people carry printers out. It was unbelievable, he said. It was like this is like a hurricane or a tornado literally swept through the AAA. That stuff was brand new though. And people resorted to looting. Man. Heck yeah. It's all new I stuff. I love it. I love it. Like, Smiley if uh, if Score North screws me over the way that the AAF screwed these people over, take a TV. One of these TCLs is mine. I'm telling you that you're, right now. You're grabbing
3: one of these 55-inch. Sure. Just rip it right here, off the wall. Don't take those. No, nah, I don't need them. They're old. They're not that good. <laughs> and you know what happens, Rami? If you do steal one of these TCL TVs off the wall, you're going to get the best TV on the market, the best picture quality. It's America's fastest-growing TV brand. This is not an endorsement for stealing. No, but it is an endorsement for 4,000 streaming channels. (laughs) It's an endorsement for a TV worth stealing. That's (laughs) what it is. is. (laughs) Absolutely. 450,000-plus TV show episodes and movies. You name it, it is streaming on a TCL TV. Go check out the award-winning new lineup, of these TCL bad boys, superior 4k picture quality, Dolby vision, greater contrast, brighter, more accurate colors. Uh, We've got a golf major coming up the PGA championship next week, watching golf on a TCL TV, watching tiger win back-to-back majors. Uh, it's, I would say hockey and golf are the most enhanced sports on these TCL TVs. Let's, uh, let's come back. We'll wrap with Roycey and, uh, we'll wrap things up on Mackie and Jeb with Rami
0: if he's able to cut his strikeouts down also. Oh, back. Here comes Justin. <laughs> it hit your coat? Yeah. I got enough balls at home. <laughs> Show me something here. I'm not diving for a foul ball in the booth. It's the first time I've ever had a ball come up on the booth here. And it went three feet to your right. Yeah, if it was at me, I would have caught it.
3: <laughs> that would have been some way to, w- for uh, Justin to have like another concussion or something.
6: I would have liked you, to listen to that, but uh, I, yeah, I didn't hear it here on this uh, for some reason. Oh, your what headphones? Was, uh, were... Morno talking?
3: Uh, Morno almost got hit by a foul ball in the oh, booth. Oh, really? Night. Yeah,
6: I heard you guys talking, and I, I was watching the game, but I missed that. But he he didn't flinch. While the rest of us were <laughs> <laughs> that's what I said. The rest of the press box is diving under their desks
2: while Justin Morneau is just sitting there without a flinch.
6: My alt you know the the. Uh, the real firing squad used to be Anaheim. They moved it now, but Anaheim was right down on there, and it was it was close, and that used to be. And you were always riding on deadline, because oh. you're on the West Coast, because yep. your head's always down and about every two minutes, somebody yelled, look out!
0: <laughs> <laughs>
6: <laughs> and, uh, Wittenmeyer, I was out there with Wittenmeyer once on a trip, you know, when he was with St. Paul Gordon, crazy, goofy Gordon, who was a Chicago guy, and uh, he... Reaches over to save my life and then pulls his hand back and I gotta go right over ass over tea kettle backwards to keep from getting hit. When hit me, what do you have I a went, change of heart? I flipped it Yeah, he didn't wanna bring it. It was like he reaches out and he's gonna save my life and then he goes, Nah, I not go, worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just what I say. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. we don't get that many here, you know. It's it's a it's quite a ways back, so we don't we get a few, but uh what I the only one I ever got? I taunted them. They kept yelling that they. I wanted was there me. for this one. <laughs> they wanted me. Oh, to, yeah. they want peak... you to throw the ball to the kid, and I said, "Yeah, kid, I got a ball. You know, and actually, I kind of went like that.
3: The, it was it was a little more dramatic. I I was sitting behind Pat in the press box when this happened. Fall ball comes in, Pat grabs it, and so all of the, the like yeah, the oh, people in the Legends Club turn me. around and like, oh, give me the ball. Pat leans
4: over with the ball like he's going to give it to <laughs> oh, some ten-year-old.
3: I, I love that. And then pulls it back and shakes
4: yes. his
6: head no. No, you're not. The difference is
4: the the stadium was actually filled at, at that yes. time, so oh, people Andrew. cared. They were now they don't give a damn.
6: Two innings later, I came down, walked down, and handed it to a kid. But I wasn't going to give him the satisfaction of, uh, of of giving it to them uh, when the kids they were yelling for it, the big wieners. Now you know it's now there's <laughs> no in that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Now you know. The yeah. The Sky you, Club, now not you get a, Now you get a ball.
2: <laughs> I've said before, whether I'm in the press box or not, if I catch a foul ball, that ball is mine. Mm-hmm. Especially in the press box. Mm-hmm. Those things come flying in there. <laughs> I'm lucky to still be standing. I'm keeping that baseball. It's
6: true. It's true. So, uh, What is this team doing to the value of attending a game by lowering the ticket prices to $5? So they
2: sold out of those
4: $5 tickets, oh, they, they said today. They did. How many well, did how they many make available? There, Do we know?
6: It. What is the home know. run porch? Which one's that?
4: left field mean? right right uh, the second the second, second level, level of, uh, of left, left field, field? I believe. Okay, yeah all
6: right and then so up it's there. not that big no and i mean it's fine except if i have bought a 30 if i've already bought a 22 dollar ticket to sit there what yeah. am i saying you know here's I'm, the I'm idea not very in advance
4: friday nights eight bucks for a craft beer
6: you want yeah, to pack the well, place i said i told st peter all winter i said She'd lower your beer prices for 20 percent, and that'll get you more good pub than anything you do with your tickets. You're but right. they won't do that because I, I don't. I think the contract they have with these concessionaires, they they're allowed to charge any prices they want. So I I think that because they get a ton of money from you know whatever whatever the outfit is, raising yeah. out not a big check. We we uh,
3: we talked earlier. The two most fascinating players right now have to be Mitch Garver and Martin Perez. I mean, Martin oh, Perez yeah, has turned into Martin Perez is 5-0. and He was unplayable last year, and how, they've turned him into a...
6: How close do you think they were to letting Garber go? Because they didn't think he could catch. You know, and he's 27. He didn't come up. I mean, they kept him last year only because he was 27 years old yeah. and said, you know, because the year before, he should have been up, or it should have been his time, and they brought in Jimenez instead because they didn't trust him. And last year... Uh, I looked up. I actually retweeted a column I did last spring on him, where Chad Allen, before he got fired because they hit two twenty-seven at Rochester, uh, was talking about how much he loved him as a hitter, and he kept the book. He keeps the ball in the, uh, keeps the bat in the zone, and he's got this uh, power to both fields. But uh, boy, we he wasn't playing enough to see it really that how good a hitter he was. Right.
3: Well, he wasn't. I mean the the tear he's on the last thirty days is oh, unlike yeah. anything he's done. Probably I mean, even in the minors. But yeah, uh,
4: but Pat he couldn't catch last year. That that that's the amazing thing to me is the transformation of him from being almost unplayable as a
6: catcher to where they feared playing him to now being pretty good. I think you got bad pitchers making excuses too when he's you know when he i don't like throwing to you you know it's, it, that's an old thing it's, he was never Jose hosemiel pinto going <laughs> you nobody know, no, had looked like a guy waving an airplane into the he had know, a lot uh, of baseballs going off that glove yeah, to the he backstop did. he did but uh they did change him they got him lower yep. and uh and do all that things which by the way i love that we gotta get him down there lower so we can get the low strike. Now you don't get the high strike, because the guy, guy's got to reach up for it, and when it's at the letters, and you don't get the high strike. But uh, Yeah, it's, I mean, that's what happens when you have a good year. I tweeted out this yesterday, because I just looked it up by accident. They have scored 177 runs in 34 games, and Cleveland has scored 119.
3: And that's not a huge fluke. I mean, Cleveland no, has two No, hitters.
6: Well, when Cleveland said that first weekend, we said, this is a bad lineup, but this bad? Did you imagine it being no. this bad? Jose no. Ramirez hasn't really done anything no, yet. He has in like two or three home runs.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. No, he's on my score North Home Run Derby. Team. Yeah, <laughs> it's
6: not should, going well.
2: You can attest to that. You all laughed, by the way. This yeah. guy here dominating. Paul
3: by, the third. By round. the
6: way, Phil, you're a student of uh, you know numbers and and minor league guys and come up is. I mean Ramirez has had three great years, but when you look at his minor league stuff, is that you know is that sustainable for an eight year play? Jose Ramirez. I'm, yeah, I mean he's 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 popped up out of nowhere. He was a two hundred and forty hitting utility yeah. infielder, and he's had these three great years. But the guy. Sometimes I suspect it's like Petey Munoz driving in ninety runs one year, and yeah. that was it. Well,
3: the, I I think the guy that blew the lid off of the whole this is who you were in the minors and this is who you were up into a certain mm-hmm. age was Jose Batista. Sure, because yes. all of a sudden that dude was thirty years old and just transformed into an MVP.
6: Just because he's he basically how much did he have to do with the phenomenon of hitting we see now, which a is lot. just launch it, yeah. just swing from your arse and launch
3: it. But he started talking about because because everyone thought well he's got to be on PEDs and he yeah. said. No, I changed my swing, and he started. He was the first guy to publicly start talking about launch angle. Yeah,
6: lift, and you know the you know lift and yank, you know, and he you know that's we don't we forget about what a phenomenon this guy was because he started swinging. You know, like you know the you know who's really to me changed his swing. 50% 50% is Kepler. Yeah. Because we used to all talk about the nice level swing he had, and you liked that swing because it was level. He's down here lifting. When he, whenever he can, he's down there lifting. He's, uh, you know, they've changed. It's, uh, it's you know, last night, too, if you're an anti-shift guy, as far as, as the concept, because it costs you game, four Rockets up the middle in the first four innings, mm-hmm. three by the Twins. All outs. Yep. Yeah. You know, all out guys. It's standing weird. There. Thank you, you.
2: And if you've been watching baseball oh, your yeah. whole life, yes, you're so used to that
6: coming off yes. the bat,
2: and oh, that's a base hit. It's still weird to me when that happens, and there's a guy standing there. Who, I don't. I like the shift. I, any any way that you can involve more strategy in baseball, I'm okay with. But it is. It's still weird to me when I well, see here's,
6: that. Here's you know we've we've talked about how it cost Mauer hundred and. Twenty hits when they started putting the shortstop behind second base. Now there's two of them there. Yeah. <laughs> now now you sure. got to hit it through two guys because the second baseman and the shortstop are both there. Last night, and that who, Adrianza killed it up the middle. Boop. Thank you.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you're out. <laughs> Imagine how if, if you're a guy like Adrianza too, and you're only going to hit the ball hard like right. once in a while, yeah, yeah. and now they've got you scouted,
6: and you're <laughs> out. You're out two seconds. Out of the batter's box. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay, <laughs> but it was incredible last night. So. The weird thing now
4: too is keeping score, because you know, yeah, six. Th- I, what does six three mean? Now the guys are playing second base.
6: Such a Judd problem too. Yeah, it's sw- a Judd it's dilemma. Going from home. Well,
3: what the par- hard part is when they like <laughs> I can't tell anything anymore. The hard
6: part used to be when they ran a fat ass like Sano over to play second, and now you're going to put in your scorebook five, five three. To three. I know. <laughs> you know. I That's mean, what I'm it's, saying it's, it's changed it. It's uh, it's gonna be uh. They're going to have to figure out in their computer to which fielding guy. Yeah, gets, wouldn't
3: so. that shouldn't that just still be a four three put out? It's just that somebody else is playing second base. <laughs> that's how Smalley that does it. We, we that's have how Roy does it. We yeah. have
6: not adjusted to that though. We do, we don't know what to do. Those we'll guys know. with pens are lost. Luckily, there's <laughs> pens and paper aren't healthy. Luckily, <laughs> one and a half percent of people, score the basketball game anymore. Me and Grandma's. Yep. <laughs> that's uh, it. Sit in front of our TV. I did a piece knitting. a few years ago about the lost things of baseball and one of the traditions, and one was scoring a game, and it took me like a week to find three people that scored a game. Have you ever scored a game from home, though? Because before I met Judd, I never met
2: anybody who actually scored it. I always thought it was a joke when an announcer would say, and for those of you scoring at home... And Judd's like,
6: ooh! <laughs> <laughs> well, I, know, that's, hey, I I can guarantee you, when the Twins first came, I know a bunch of women who used to call each other to, hey, I missed that one, you know, it would be listening to the WCCO in the kitchen and uh, uh, they would score, you know, that whole so generation. My wife's mother's generation. She scored every base. She's in her nineties now. She scored every ball game she ever went to.
3: I took a college class one time. Rob Fornes here was the instructor. <laughs> it was called baseball scoring, and he said the first day of the class, if you show up every day you and you try, get a day. you
6: get it <laughs> <laughs> or if you and if you show up, if you don't show up and you don't try, you get a B. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I don't think he that's was a class a I should have taught. That <laughs> was really a class a I should have taught. Scoring that. class, yeah, that's tw- amazing. The
3: Gophers assistant uh, <laughs> head coach,
6: great guy. It.
3: Judd, okay. well, he retired. They're probably looking for a new teacher. I could teach you could that jump class. In there.
6: Yes, I sir. have no degree. The professor. <laughs> yeah. You can the be a professor. Professor of baseball scoring.
4: Let's figure out you the know, dilemma. You know,
6: there are several different methods. It's not. I know. know
4: there's there's no exact
6: science
3: to, to it. Yeah. The Zulgadian style. So sure the, you,
4: <laughs> just always
6: be
3: confident
4: enough to do it in pen like yes. I do. Mackie <laughs> and Judd
3: with Rami, we'll talk to Pat again tomorrow. Well,
4: oh, yeah, Gad, um, I'll talk to you later. Bye.